0: Hi, I'm Joseph, and I'm TJ, and this is HiFi. TJ, how you doing, sir?
1: Uh, I'm here, Joe. I'm here. Well,
0: that's good. I'm, do- I'm doing glad fine. you're not here. Or I'm glad you're not on another podcast. I'd be feeling no, kind of lonely.
1: Yeah, I'm on this podcast, not another one. I wouldn't be on Mm. another one, Joe. I wouldn't do that to you.
0: Good. Good. So, do you have an excellent Thanksgiving?
1: I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I had uh, way too much turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing and apple salad and pumpkin pie and pecan pie, all the traditional stuff.
0: Excellent. Yeah, we did too. And my wife was the host. She cooked a good deal of it. It was incredible we got to host the family that wanted to join us for Thanksgiving. So we had a wonderful time. Nice. So did you just have, uh, the wife and kids and get to, you know, do anything fun besides food?
1: Well, um, I just, I, I try to avoid talking too much about the things that I'm doing that don't involve quarantining <laughs> because I would be crucified on the internet or by somebody. But no, I mean, we had my, uh, family, many of my family and relatives in my house.
0: Understandable. Yeah, Yeah. I'm in a difficult situation that the children here in Georgia are still expected to go to school. And I don't have a uh, a say in the matter of whether or not my children go to school, Mm. but they are going to go to school. And that means they're constantly introduced to whatever they could possibly be carrying through school. And Given the number of people in the family that are exposed like this because of their jobs they there's a certain risk factor. Frankly, everybody who joined us for Thanksgiving cannot help the level of risk level that they were at all year and yeah, you know we we, we were all so and so we were like, well, we might as well spend Thanksgiving together and uh be happy that way and we certainly are very grateful for a good many things and there's still things to be thankful for in a strange year like 2020
1: many many things to be thankful for i'm just honestly i'm overflowing with what well, we had our episode we talked uh, was it last week <laughs> goodness it seems like longer ago yeah, than that. About we specifics. talked about the things that we're thankful for and there's just so many things to be thankful for all the time so yeah, uh,
0: but yeah. that was before thanksgiving and now, now i'm just even grateful for the memories we got to make mhm for sure
1: now you had uh, a few things you wanted to talk about before we got to our main topic, so I'm gonna let you get into those,
0: yes, okay, so did you do any Black Friday sales? you know any of the sales that led up to Thanksgiving or cyber Monday I
1: Did not participate in such ranked consumerism no
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm better well, than you, Joe <laughs> okay, okay, but see here's the thing is like <laughs> i i I value saving money and uh I'm buying, uh, what what would you say, like a lot of digital stuff, so the intellectual property. It's not like I'm stealing a product from anyone else. Mm. And uh, I'm I'm helping the economy. Isn't that what this is about? I mean, it's helping me. It's helping business. Capitalism. Uh, Rah-rah, USA.
1: I I jest because I would certainly, if I had something I needed and it was on sale and there was a way for me to acquire it safely without hurting anyone else, I, I would. I just, over the last few years... Things about Black Friday and Cyber Monday seem to have ramped up and up and up, and the the hype and in the trampling of people in the Walmart parking lots and in the stores and the running, you know, the destroying of property. And I just I don't want to participate in that very much if I don't have to.
0: I'm not opposed
1: to saving money, and I will if I need to. But I didn't have anything I wanted to get this year, and so I didn't. I you know I'm also opposed to spending money when you don't need
0: to. (laughs) So yeah, it's not the greatest scenario. Well, I picked up a few things that I felt like qualified as absolute musts, and I am putting together the links for the show notes right now. I'm gonna put the I'm gonna share them in order of my favorite to uh, least favorite, but kind of important, so I got it anyway. Uh, number one at the top of my list was I picked up the Sony W1000XM4B headphones. So that mm-hmm. is the state of the art, the current generation, uh, black with sort of bronze or copper accented headphones from Sony that just sound glorious. They're wireless, uh, over ear headphones. And I had a couple of bows over ear headphones a few years ago that were incredible. And I used them for a few years and then I realized, you know, the, the time has come that if I wait any longer, I'm not going to get any resale value for these headphones. So I went ahead and sold them. And it was about that time that Apple had the Apple AirPod pros. So I switched over to the AirPod Pros and I've been a very happy AirPod Pro user since. But there is still a lot to be desired with having over-ear headphones for work and yard work and everything else in in the world. So the thing is, AirPod Pros are great for uh, flexibility and for noise cancellation, but Everything I've heard from online reviewers about these Sony over here headphones would provide the experience of quality of sound that I love. And I really miss from the Bose headphones. So nobody's talking about the Bose headphones anymore. They're talking about Sony's. And I thought the Black Friday sale, which went through Cyber Monday, was i I just couldn't let it pass uh it was uh they usually retail for 349 and i got mine for 278 so i feel like that was money well spent do you Hmm. have any uh affinity for fancy wireless headphones
1: uh i am very happy with my beats my power beats pro um I'm super happy with them. I also have the AirPods Pro when I need noise canceling, and it's mostly if I'm in loud environments, mostly on an airplane, that sort of thing. I still have my uh, original AirPods, and over the time, they have um, gotten to where I only get about an hour maybe of battery life out of them, and so they're pretty much useless now, but they're still sitting here on my desk. I – Prefer them for phone calls, honestly, the the most. But um, I, it's not really workable if I'm going to be on a long call or anything like that. So I mostly use my Powerbeats Pro exclusively now.
0: And I can understand that. The thing about using the Powerbeats Pro and the AirPod Pros to me is that they overlap an awful lot for what day to day use would look like. Oh, so, sure. The, my
1: day to day drivers are the Powerbeats Pro. Like I said, it's only if I need noise canceling that I use the the, the AirPods Pro. Oh,
0: uh, okay. And I, I so for me I I've been using on ear headphones for a lot of audio engineering editing and stuff like that. I do a ton of that for work, but I don't need I, I I can't say that I'm really satisfied. These are the Sony, let's see, monitoring style professional headphones, dynamic stereo headphones, the MDR dash. Uh, seven, five, zero, six. So these, these look like your dad's headphones from the eighties, but they're really nice professional headphones. And I I will still use them for a good deal of fine tuning with audio production.
1: Now are those wireless Joe? They are not. Okay, good, good. So I was going to say don't nice don't do flat. professional editing with wireless.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I won't do professional mastery, but I'll do some editing when it when it doesn't concern like what does it sound like?
1: Sure, if you're not if, you're, if it doesn't concern the quality of the audio, that's totally fine, but
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing I got on my my shopping list was the WRX WG 520 turbine 600 what? corded electric what? leaf blower. What?
1: What, what the heck are all these numbers, Joe? I'm, I'm my head is exploding. What on uh,
0: product, earth? Product, naming, <laughs> brand, works. <laughs> Actually, you know the the uh, this turbine. It, it, I mean, why couldn't they just call it the Super Blower Five Thousand or something? Yeah, but it's a it's a nice, uh, corded electric leaf blower that came highly recommended by the wire cutter earlier this year. And, uh, it it's that time of year again, and I need to blow a lot of leaves. And I'm tired of using the low-powered leaf blower that I had at my disposal. What do you? What is your opinion of electric, uh, l- a corded or battery-operated yard equipment?
1: Oh boy, Joe! I actually put this on the upcoming topic list to talk about in full detail. But I suppose I can preview for you and say, Uh-oh. um. <laughs> <laughs> I, when we moved to our new house here, uh, we bought a house in 2019. Uh, is that right? Yeah, we've been here a little over a year. Yes. So we bought a new house in 2019. And at that time, I switched over from gas powered equipment. Um, that was getting, most of it was getting old and worn and my weed eater was not starting anymore. And, you know, even with a new, something else was wrong with it other than the spark plug and it probably needs like a new carburetor. And I don't know what I, you know, I, I used to take care of all that. I mean, I know all that stuff, but I am not interested in working on that stuff anymore. <laughs> I've done it m- much throughout my life and I'm just not interested in that anymore. So um, I went to Lowe's and I bought a battery-powered lawnmower, a battery-powered weed eater, and a battery-powered blower. Those are my three battery-powered yard equipment things. Um, And I spent – the most expensive part was the two – the extra battery I bought for the mower and the mower itself. Um, It was – I'm not even going to say how much I spent. I'm a little embarrassed. (laughs) But but it is – I consider it one of the best investments I've ever made because I can mow my whole lawn with that one battery. And I do have the second battery because it gets pretty close on that battery, and I do have that second battery. As the battery wears, I can switch out the battery. And it's amazing. I literally flip up the handlebar, you know, squeeze the handlebar and push the button and it goes. I don't have to go, you know, oh, nice. you know it won't start. You're pulling, pulling, and pulling, and it won't start. It's like, why won't it start? It's none of yeah. that. It's, it's just an electric powered <laughs> thing. No cord, <laughs> no gas. It's it just you know you plug the battery in in the garage when you're not using it and it's great it's amazing and I have never been so much so I've never been so happy to spend so much money not even when I've bought Apple good Apple hardware so wow. it is
0: really wonderful that is high praise <sighs> I do think you're on the right track for this uh, time period in this timeline like battery operated yard equipment is actually good enough it's gotten there and it's not too expensive for what you get and the convenience factor is really good so i've been really tempted by the battery operated blowers and weed eaters just like you i probably will upgrade my lawnmower for next season and and my my weed eater as well but i'm also considering that i love compact storage and there's a kind of lawnmower that you can um, basically fold up the handles and collapse and stand up like a suitcase on its front and it, it, it just stands nice and erect and you can stash away nice and compactly and it comes again highly recommended by sites like the wire cutter if what you're concerned about is space so if i went that route i'll still be on the gasoline train for a few more years mm. uh, when did the show just turn into Tim, the Toolman Draper show? It is, it's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, I mean the thing is I, I, I was thinking about this when I bought this last year in 2019. I believe that the reason that we're able to – or that I was able to confidently buy battery-powered yard equipment is directly related to um, Apple and Samsung and, and all these companies forging ahead with lithium-ion battery technology in their smartphones and tablets and computers – and I think that has pioneered the way for us to have other battery powered equipment that's going to start trickling into the market. And I, yeah. I did get in when the little, it's still, we're still on the expensive side, um, but it's starting to get more feasible. So um, yeah, I'm very happy with it.
0: Yeah. And it's you get what you pay for kind of thing. I really think that it's one of those quality goods where it's worth its value for the this equipment. I'm definitely getting a battery operated weed eater for next year. And, but when oh, it comes it to it's so great. Mm-hmm. Well, for, when it comes to the leaf blower, I just wasn't convinced that a leaf blower could get to the to the oomph that I wanted f- without a cord, without electricity. The next, the
1: next time you're here, mm-hmm. I, I do have a, a corded leaf blower as well, but I never use it. Uh, next time you're here, remind me to show you the, um, <laughs> the battery-powered yeah, yeah. leaf blower that I have. It's, it's certainly okay. not the most powerful thing you've ever seen, but it does the job.
0: Basically, where I want to pile up all my leaves is on one corner of my property. And then I have leaves on the opposite corner of my property. And it's just a lot of blowing for carrying on a tarp and all that jazz. So I wanted to make it as easy as possible.
1: So So, the thing that we're doing this year, uh, is I'm using, I I never use a bag on my mower. I always use a mulch. I always put the mulcher in so that, that, you know, you don't have to worry about grass blowing out and it mulches it up really fine. And it just stays in the yard and, you know there are pros and cons to that, but the pro is that you know you're not you don't you're not leaching nutrients away from the soil by taking the grass that soil grew and taking it somewhere else. However, yeah. um, on the uh, for the leaves, I am putting the bag on the mower and using the lawn mower to pick up the leaves, and then I'm putting those leaves as composting into the garden.
0: So, mm, okay, that yeah, makes a lot yeah, of yeah. sense. Yeah, so that that, makes and, it's, sense. and
1: it's and kind it's of sort of chopping up the leaves, you know, too. So it's not like the big leafy. It's you know kind of fine leafy material, and it's it's really nice.
0: Okay, that yeah. I, that is a good consideration. Uh, another so another thing I got on my shopping list was the WeMo Wi-Fi smart plugs. They've been on sale through Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, these are great from Best Buy, and uh, from what I have seen, what I know about the these smart plugs is that they're really good for. Anytime you just want to connect a lamp, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, whatever else you need to make smart. But I'm going to plug these into five different lamps around the house. And uh, I've discovered HomeKit TJ. And I've started using HomeKit for my HomePods. And it, it actually is good enough just at the entry level that it's really addictive, even if it's not the it, it, even if it's not as, I would say, power user friendly as I would like it to be, it's close enough that it's really satisfying when it just has that magical moment that, it, hey, that just worked every day. And if I can get my my lamps throughout the house to do the same thing with these Wemo Wi-Fi smart plugs, I'll be really happy about that. Now, are you doing any sort of smart lights or fans or blinds? speakers
1: no i'm trying to f- i was trying to find a link to send you while you were talking and i've been unsuccessful in finding it uh but basically um aws are you, do you know what aws is
0: that rings a bell but i'm totally blanking it's been a long day what is this
1: aws stands for amazon web services oh uh, here it is yeah. here it is uh <laughs> so let me send you this link um so here you go AWS, Amazon Web Services, uh, had some problems a few days ago. It looks like it was on November 25th. And let me tell you, the entire internet suffered. Many, many sites went down. Many sites had just problems. Maybe they weren't relying on AWS as the core backbone, but it had some service that was was relying on AWS. I work in the web industry. We had this problem. But then, because I don't have smart home devices, I didn't realize at first, there were people all of a sudden on Twitter going, I can't turn X on. I can't do X because oh. AWS. I can't do this because AWS. This stuff is all so server-dependent. I'm like, <laughs> we, re- we replaced a functioning light switch. I grew up in a home with physical light switches that never had any problems and we replace that with a smart technology that doesn't offer that much benefit in my opinion and and it's just i, I just can't i can't do it joe I, I i know too much about how this stuff works and mm-hmm. yeah, i just yeah. i can't i can't do it
0: i can't do it oh uh, that is that is frustrating and i really hope that isn't the story for long it it, it kind of well it reminds me of a lot of everything that we have can malfunction so easily. So we have um, a small house, and the wiring for the master bathroom is interconnected to the other bathroom. So if the the what is it called the, the not the breaker but the fuse is tripped, then you have to go to the other bathroom to reset it. Wait, to come back your house to your- has fuses
1: and not breakers.
0: Well, we do have a breaker, but it's what is it called when you have to reset it from the outlet itself? Like it has
1: a—that's a a GFCI uh, or GFI.
0: um, It's a ground fault interrupter. Okay, so we have that that thing in the in the hall bathroom instead of the master bath. So you get out of the shower, you're ready to, uh, you know, use something in the bathroom, and you have no power from the outlet. So then you gotta, you know, put on your robe and. Go out to the other bathroom and turn it on. So, so it seems like that. Yeah, there's these technical failures in technology all day long, and it's never going to stop. It's been pervasive. But smart, yeah, smart devices do quadruple <laughs> the mistakes and points of failure. Well, it's, I think. it's I, funny. Yeah.
1: I grew up. I grew up in a house that was built uh, in the 50s or 60s. I don't remember. And of course, it had been modernized some over the years. But uh, and I don't even remember if GFI uh, ground fault interrupters were a thing in the 80s. I was too young to know. But my house certainly didn't have any, and we don't have problems with ours often. They are required now for any house that's built after a certain time that you have ground fault interrupter plugs in places where there's water, like the kitchen and the bathrooms and things. And I understand the reason for them, but they certainly do fail a lot more often. In fact, we, I say we haven't had problems with them. We actually did have one replaced a couple of weeks ago. Um, so uh, yeah, the, this seems like the newer the technology, the less reliable it is oftentimes, which is unfortunate. Yeah.
0: But we didn't come to the show to talk about what I got for Cyber Monday. So let's move on to the main topic. All right.
1: So the main topic. Joe, I wanted to discuss – and I I feel bad because you have far less of these than I do. I I have so many t- great TV shows that I've watched over the years or i am currently watching. I thought, why don't we talk about the great or favorite TV shows or notable shows that we have enjoyed over the years. And so that's what I wanted to do. Your list is much shorter than mine, so I feel kind of bad, yeah. but not really. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel bad um, but and I, then i asked you did you want to go first he said no me I'll, uh, you, you should go first to me you said that to me so i'm gonna right. go first i guess please do and uh, the first thing you should know is that i consume many shows um i tend to watch uh shows in the evening if i'm doing tasks that don't require my full attention i will often rewatch a show that i've seen many times while i'm working. Um, and that is because I kind of know what's happening. So I, I if, if I miss some of them, I'm like, oh, I remember what happened because I've seen this 100 times. So I'll do that. But then newer shows, I will tend to watch – in the evening, um, or if I don't have any new shows, I'll continue watching that show I was watching mindlessly while I was working. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's how I consume media. Um, but I watch uh, – I'll watch an episode or two of a TV show in the evening to wind down, and and then I go through the house and turn off the light switches because that's part of my evening routine. <laughs> speaking of just tying it <laughs> all back together with the uh, smart plugs right. so th- these are in no particular order I just started writing down shows that I have enjoyed or found notable over the years um, so I will start with one of my favorite shows um, there are probably shows that I would say are rank higher than this one but I just I always come back to these shows I rewatch them all the time and that is the Stargate shows specifically Stargate oh. SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis I'm, in fact I just finished a rewatch of Stargate SG-1 it is a phenomenal TV show. I cannot describe how good this show is. And I will grant you, like any show, in the first season it gets off to a little bit of a rocky start. Um, and especially a couple of episodes, I feel like the writing is a little... Uh, I don't know the term for it, uh, but it's it's a little bad. <laughs> but but by the time you get to the end of that first season, it is, it is cooking with gas. It is banging on all four cylinders... It is just going, and it is real good. Um, This show stars uh, Richard Dean Anderson, Amanda Tapping, Christopher Judge, uh, and Michael Shanks, and Don S. Davis. It... um, follows up uh somewhat loosely on the movie there are things that they changed about it to make it into a tv show about the lore and the the uh the way things started but but it is i think it the, the movie was so so and i enjoyed it for what it was but the tv show is just so good and i highly highly recommend it and and the great thing about this show is it kind of remakes itself over time um it, it's uh by the time you get to season five, um, at the end of season five, a main character, one of the actors, decided he just needed a break from the show and he wasn't closing the door, but he just wanted off for a season. And um, they wrote him out uh, in a way that was very satisfying, but in a way that, you know, is he gone? Isn't he gone? Maybe he'll kind of sci fi. So you can kind of do that sort of thing, you know, or he's kind of nebulous where he's at. And, um, then you know, in season uh, eight, Richard Dean Anderson, the the main uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill, he wanted to do do be on the show less like he wanted to still be on the show and but he wanted to have a lighter schedule and so they made him the general of the facility and he was always on base and never went off world anymore and you know the, the the show remade itself again in that season and then he left the show entirely for seasons nine and ten and so they brought on a new character and kind of just completely remade the show while still keeping with some of the old lore i mean it really just it's Shows that do that, I've, you know, Doctor Who, which we'll get to, is another great example of remaking the show and keeping it fresh and lively and going. And and that's how Stargate SG1 was able to get 10 seasons, I think. And honestly, mm. I felt like it had many more seasons in it. And I don't always feel that way about many shows. I, so, often you're like, okay, I wish you would have ended it before when it was good. <laughs> um, but Stargate SG1 just left me wanting more. And in fact, they did a couple of movies, t- DVD movies, but they were still good, as good as the TV show or better. Um, kind of, They did one to wrap up the plot line from season 10, and then they did another one that was just a standalone film, and it, they were both great. So, Stargate SG-1, do you have anything to say about that show? Have you ever watched it?
0: I had a question about it. I understand it's sci-fi. To me, it resembles uh, Star Trek. So how much like Star Not Trek really. is it? really. Not so is really it more fantasy? All. Is it more like There's, Battlestar I would say.
1: I would say there's a lot more fantasy in it. They do try to bring some science into it. And and of course, Colonel Carter is a scientist, uh, Captain Carter. She starts out and is promoted to major. And then by the end of the show, she's Colonel. Um, she is a scientist, and occasionally they'll try to do some sciency things, but it's fantasy. It's very much fantasy, and I enjoy it in that way. it there's certainly I mean sometimes they travel through space, uh, but it is a, a TV show that's set in in modern in the current time that it was made, and it's a secret, you know, the whole Stargate program is a secret from the world and that sort of thing. Um, I, I I don't find very many similarities between it and Star Trek other than that they're both sci-fi. Uh, but <laughs> Stargate definitely leans more into the fantasy. Um, it is uh, I I don't think it's like Battlestar Galactica at all Battlestar Galactica is a very dark show and this is a very I would say it's much lighter and easier to watch and they don't Certainly, they do have drama, and they do go into some topics that are heavy sometimes. But mostly, it's much lighter, and a lot of that you can you can attribute to Richard Dean Anderson and his sense of humor.
0: That was the only thing I had to ask.
1: Okay, so I'm going to move on to uh, Stargate Atlantis, and I do need to pick the pace up a little bit here. I have a <laughs> lot of TV shows. Stargate Atlantis uh, followed up, or it, it kind of ran concurrently with SG One for a couple seasons, and then when you know Stargate SG One went off the air, and, and Atlantis continued on for a couple like three more seasons, I think. I don't remember the exact overlap, but, but it's um, it's taking place in a different galaxy. They sent a team off to find the lost city of Atlantis, uh, and I don't want to give away too much here, but it is a great show, maybe sometimes even better than SG-1. It is a real good show, um, starring Joe Flanagan, Rachel Luttrell, David Hewlett, and uh, Jason Momoa. Uh, people know him as Aquaman these days. Uh, Tori Higginson, Paul McGillion, David Nickel, a lot of great characters and cast, so their adventures take place in the Pegasus Galaxy, and um, they meet a new foe uh, called the Wraith, which are very much like vampires, except instead of sucking your blood with their mouth, they kind of suck your life force with their hand. It's interesting. Ugh. Anyway, oh. yeah. <laughs> great show. Great show. Love it. Um, you have anything to add about that, or shall I move on?
0: Nope. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I do just want to say about the Stargate franchise. Uh, they ended... Um, Stargate Atlantis after the fifth season to do a new show called Stargate Universe, which is an awful show and I hate them for doing it. <laughs> uh, I wish they would have continued Stargate Atlantis. It was so good. They look at
0: themselves back on the rails and. Make another I generation don't know. Of I
1: wish they would. I feel like the fan base is there. They have yeah. such a great fan base. But then they keep talking about going back to the creators of the movie and the creators of the movie. So the director, um, uh, I think of his name in a minute. And and Dean Devlin was the writer. Uh, Stargate director. Um, he's a. Um, oh, man. Uh, Roland Emmerich. So Roland Emmerich was the director, and Dean Devlin was the writer, and they hated the show. They didn't. They like they didn't even watch it. It's just that they hated the principle of it. They did. They hated that they lost control of the franchise, and they weren't able to do more movies. But. I felt like the show actually made more sense than some of their elements from their movie anyway. Uh, and after, so the, the the studio keeps wanting to go back to them and say, Will you do more Stargate. And they're like, yeah, we're going to re- reboot it and redo it and do the movies the way we wanted. And none of us want that. None of us fans want that. So I'm not – I don't know what the future of Stargate is. It's been off the air for a while. And we'll always have SG-1 in Atlantis. So you can't take it away from me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Remember, these are in no particular order in terms of what I like better or not. I I would say Deep Space Nine might even be a better show than Stargate SG-1 or Atlantis, and I love both of them dearly. Uh, Deep Space Nine is a great TV show. It is just great Star Trek. It is great drama. You, You know, you think of it and you go, oh, it's based on a space station where the previous incarnation of Star Trek that came before it, or the previous two, were based on ships going off on adventures. How could Deep Space Nine be... Better, but what they do is they dig into the characters a lot more. They they mm-hmm. they become more serialized. They tell stories across seasons, and even over the entire show. I would say the whole show has an arc, and you really dive into these characters, and they're so complex and rich, and the fabric of of the Star Trek universe is made much, much richer with these characters. And, And they're not all, so one of the problems with Star Trek, the original series, and Star Trek The Next Generation, is it was difficult to have drama that involved your main primary cast and crew, because they were, Gene Roddenberry's vision was they were all so perfect, and good, and beautiful, and the best of humanity, and that's a great concept, but it makes it hard to tell good stories. And the great thing about Deep Space Nine is you had these flawed beings, whether they were human or alien, they would have had all these flaws and they were out on display. And yet, the characters you know, two of the characters that hated each other in season one were the best of friends in season seven, and it was just wonderful. And we <laughs> had this wonderfully devious Ferengi Quark who, oh, you know, and, and, and then you've got <laughs> oh, but, but 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 you have to admit, then you've got Odo, and these two kind of their frenemies they they love to hate each other but they love each other and it's just so it's so great it's so great i cannot think of a better show really than deep space nine it is so good so you i take it you've seen it
0: i've saw i I saw enough to identify what in the world are those ferengi characters and why (laughs) just why so that explains why you don't like quark yeah because you did not watch the whole show I was more interested in Voyager and the second generation, but back in the uh, 90s, I just didn't have a lot of time to watch TV.
1: We have a problem if you're going to call it the second generation. It is the next generation. okay.
0: Yes. Right.
1: (gasps) And it takes place... Seventy, roughly 70 to 80 years after. I'd, I'd have to look up the Stargate, star dates to remember exactly, but it is, that, is later than the original series um, involving a new cast and crew. It was Star Trek had been on the air for three seasons in uh, 67, 68, and 69, if memory serves, and it was fine for what it was in the day. You'll notice it's not on my list. I, I watch episodes of it. It's fine, but it's not going to make my list right now. It probably should, but it's just not huh. on here. But the next generation then it is the first TV show after the original series and you have a couple of movies uh, Star Trek 4 had just happened and it was a great movie and they asked Leonard Nimoy would you produce a, a Star Trek The Next Generation and he said no, no, no you can't capture lightning in a bottle twice and I'm here to tell you and Leonard Nimoy later admitted that show is better than our show. <laughs> it's a great show. It has two rocky seasons to start off with, and I don't recommend watching them if you want to get into the show. Although, there are some gems in Season 2. Most of Season 2 is pretty bad. Season 1, I think, I can't think of a good episode in Season 1. Eh, well, that's not true. There's at least one good episode in Season 1. But by and large, the first two seasons, really forgettable. It's amazing. I don't think that show would have survived those two seasons in today's world. But in that in that day and age, they were able to then go, okay, what can we do to make Season 3? three good and from season three on that show is just gold for the most part and i i love it captain picard is my hero he's who i wish i was <laughs> and i'm not <laughs> i'm i'm very a little more high strung than captain picard he's so <laughs> calm and in control and you know you've got that storyline with the borg where he's assimilated and then he's got that episode and in the producers uh, or the the i think he was i'm trying to remember brandon braga i think it was it was either him or the guy who or, or Ronald D. Moore who ran Battlestar Galactica. I should know these things. I'm a trekkie, but um, he had to fight with Gene Roddenberry to get the season the episode called Family, which happens right after Picard is assimilated, and it follows up on Picard dealing with the fallout of that and how he had like he's just going through all this mental stress and he goes back home and he doesn't even think he's going to go back to the enterprise. Such a great episode. You know, Chain of Command, another great episode dealing with Picard, and, you know, there are four lights! You know, um, <laughs> everybody knows that reference. Um, and it's, it's so good. There's just so many—I couldn't even name them all. There's so many great episodes of that show. It's mm. much more episodic. There's really no serialization of that show. But even so, you get growth of the characters over time. Like, they're different characters at the end of the show than they were at the beginning, and it is, it is great. What, what say you of The Next Generation?
0: <sighs> Live long and prosper, man. Live long and prosper.
1: Well, you mentioned Voyager, and that is on my list. Um, it is um, not as good as Deep Space Nine or The Next Generation, but it is a lot okay, of fun. Okay, I and have it a is... question then. Um, yes.
0: It's on your list. It's not as good as The Next Generation, but The Next Generation is not on your list? Oh, it, it is. Okay.
1: I just talked about it. It is. Yeah. it no, is. I,
0: my... I knew you were describing it. Uh, so you were saying the orig- the first generation is not. All right.
1: <laughs> the original series the original the, series, the, the, original, the original, or otherwise or... just known as star trek
0: yeah that um, thing.
1: it probably should be on my list i just when i was making this list i just didn't put it on here it is a it is a notable show and it did it 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 is amazing for what it did for tv and and for what came after it and even there are great episodes of the original series but it definitely shows its age now um anyway uh so star trek voyager you i take it you've seen it and you enjoy it
0: I did, but I didn't watch it since it was originally on the air, and I found it a little oh, wow. confusing. I really enjoyed it at the time. I missed a couple episodes. It was uh, with an antenna hookup, so there were some oh, real wow. spotty moments when I couldn't quite get good reception. But I did enjoy it, and I tried to watch the whole thing, and then I just never got back around to watching it with good clarity and uh, you know some kind of stream.
1: I do recommend it. Captain Janeway is a phenomenal captain, Um, notably the first female captain. Don't let anybody, you know, they they tried to play up in Star Trek Discovery, Michael Burnham being the first female lead of a Star Trek show. And like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you remember seeing Star Trek Voyager in the nineties? Come on. (laughs) So it's like, they don't even remember their own history, but uh, it was (laughs) a great show. She's a great captain. Um, I, I really love every character on there except for Neelix. Sorry. I don't like Neelix very much. Um, but they're just, it's a great crew, and they're stranded in the Delta Quadrant, and they're trying to get back home. And, you know, they they have a lot of adventures along the way, and it is is—it is a really good show. Okay. So, moving, moving on next, uh, obviously, obviously, if you're going to have a list of TV shows that are notable and good, uh, you have to have Firefly. <laughs> and this is one of my most heartsick moments on this uh, list because it only had one 14 episode season. And that's that's a it's a shame that because it is a great show it is a it's a space western in the truest sense it really is like a western happening in space and you've got this uh this this kind of displaced crew all of them are kind of outcasts from society on this ship and um, they're just trying to get jobs and make a living and uh, you know they sometimes go into morally ambiguous or gray areas or even cross the line but then they're like they can't live with it and they always come back and do the right thing. And we only got 14 episodes and a movie and it was, I was just so sad because I love the show so dearly. Have you seen it?
0: I did. And I did enjoy what I saw. I wouldn't put it in among my favorites, but it was very oh, enjoyable man, Joe. and I would recommend oh, it to Joe. anybody who loves sci-fi.
1: Oh Joe, it is, it has got to be, Oh, I, I just wish we'd had more. It's a, you know, Joss Whedon, um, has done a couple other shows too that are on this list, but this may be may, – could have been his peak, and Fox did him dirty. They, they really messed that up. Because the reason the show never caught on – I don't know if you knew this story. Fox aired the episodes all out of order, and it was somewhat serialized, and so a lot of it didn't make any sense. And right. people just were like, eh, eh, whatever.
0: In my case, the and, issue just became that it was so short, I really wanted more. And oh, if they I want, had I given us more, more, then I think it could have really been great. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's like you were saying, it's just, just not enough to really sink my teeth into.
1: Oh, I watch it probably every year. It's so good. All right, moving on. There is this little show called Eureka. And I don't remember how I discovered this. It it's, it, it doesn't seem like a I, I it would be the sort of thing. I'd probably see it and I'd just skip by it. I've never heard of that before or whatever. But somehow it caught my attention – and I started watching it. Um, I, I think I caught an episode, and then I went back and started at the beginning. Um, basically, this guy is driving uh, through this little town, what looks like a little town, and he breaks down, and um, he's a U.S. Marshal, and uh, he's take, taking this prisoner somewhere and breaks down on the way, and this prisoner turns out to be his daughter, and they wind up living in Eureka, and he winds up being the town sheriff, and hijinks ensue. It is it is fantasy, couch to sci-fi um nothing in the show could ever take place it is amazing and it is a lot of fun it's a, it's one of those like it's probably the goofiest show on this list but but that's semi serious and it oh, definitely has its serious drama and serious drama moments um i i love the show it is due for a rewatch i haven't seen it in a couple of years i highly recommend it
0: um, Your wife recommended that one to my wife and she checked it out. She really enjoyed it and told me all about it. But I want to go back and watch it with her sometime because it does sound interesting. Again, it sounds like another show where they – it was discontinued, right? We
1: well, yeah, but they have five – yeah, five seasons. Um, well, that's pretty I think good. Se- I think the fifth season was a short season because they got canceled, but then they said, hey, look, we are going to let you wrap it up. Um, and so, yeah, it is. it is just an amazing show. Um, it has uh, I don't know that I've ever seen Colin Ferguson and any other thing but he's the the lead and he's great um, you got Sally uh, Richardson who makes her she appears in a lot of things but um, great in this role uh, Erica Sira, who I've never seen anything else uh, Neil Grayston Joe Morton yeah a lot uh, just yeah I love this show and a show similar to it but I would say more heavy on the drama less on the comedy is warehouse 13 Yeah. Um, and this I got into because there was a crossover. It was on the same network. And so they had, even though the sh- premises of the shows are somewhat different, they did a crossover where one of the characters was on Eureka from Warehouse 13. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And let me tell you, this show is great. Unfortunately, it has five seasons. But the fifth season, they stopped putting it on Hulu. And so I haven't seen the fifth season yet. It's on my list to see. I loved the first four seasons. It's really great. Um, so um, uh, how do you describe Warehouse 13? These uh, they, they deal with what's known as uh, what they call in the show artifacts, and these artifacts have powers. Uh, like like for instance, uh, you have uh, Magellan's um, uh, astrolabe, I think it's called, and it helps you navigate. And like because it was this, it's this like marker of this famous person, and so it became imbued with these powers. And so they try to collect these artifacts and keep them out of the hands of people. And as you can imagine, this allows for all kinds of hijinks to ensue. Um, so, uh, it's a really great show, uh, and has one of my, like an, an actor that usually skips around from show to show, Saul Rubinek, but he wound up being one of the leads on the show uh, alongside Eddie McClintock and Joanne Kelly and Alison Scagliotti. Um, and he is just, every time he appears in a show, it's just so great. He's just so good at, at what he does. Um, and he's a character actor and uh he i just i love him so much um what are some of the things he's been in that you might know uh, oh well he was in um for all mankind i don't know if you've seen that or not but that's a great a couple show episodes yeah. yeah so he was in that um of course uh, warehouse 13 i think is the one sh- uh show that he was like the lead of and then other than that he just skips around i know he was in a couple an episode of star trek called uh, the most toys great there he was in stargate sg1 as emmett bergman um, you know, Law and Order. just reading through the list here. Just so many things. But he's a great actor and love him. Um, yeah. So, Warehouse 13. I assume you've never seen that?
0: Mm, I have not. Uh, okay. That, that is another one that I think my wife mentioned that was interesting to her. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. So, um i'm gonna move on to the next one the orville this is a show that's still in progress um the third season has been delayed because of covid and quarantine but it will be moving to hulu it was on fox this you would not necessarily expect to be any good i was i was uh, dreading the show and yet i knew i was gonna watch it because it it kind of looked like it might be a spoof on star trek um and it's done by seth MacFarlane. um who, but I started reading more about Seth MacFarlane, and he's always loved Star Trek, and so he wanted to do something similar to it and like it, but like, like be respectful and tell re- a real space opera story. And man, let me tell you, there were a couple of the episodes at first where they, he was trying to find his footing. But this show really found its footing and it's hitting it out of the park. It is oh, a great show. Don't let anybody tell you it's not a great show because it really is. And they really tell some great stories. Um, they don't just yak it up like you might expect from – or yuck it up like you might expect from from Seth MacFarlane. They certainly do that, but there's more to it than that. And it is it is really a wonderful show. Plenty of comedy, that but also plenty one that of drama. has
0: been on my watch list
1: I would recommend bumping it up Okay So moving on um, Burn Notice Uh, This is one that uh, I don't remember Again, I don't remember how I found this I think maybe my wife found it And said, oh, you have to watch this And it's just a lot of fun So it's about a spy um, Whose name is Michael Weston and he was disavowed by the government for things that he didn't do. And he uses his special ops training to help others in trouble. And he's trying to clear his name along the way. And he's got uh, um, his friends, uh, Fiona Glenan and Sam Axe. And uh, the uh, Sam Axe is played by Bruce Campbell, who's just uh, hilariously – usually he's in a lot of uh, B-movie type stuff. But he's, he's just wonderful in this show and I highly recommended. it. Um, yeah, it, it it's him doing spy stuff, but he's a burned spy and discredited, and always like always on the run, and might get caught and uh, by the by the government, and not supposed to be doing what he's doing. And uh, as you can imagine, that makes for some great scenarios. Hmm. All right, um, what is next? So, um, I suppose in a similar vein, but a much older show. This is one of the first shows that my wife and I watched after we were married. It was Remington Steele. Um, And this features uh, Stephanie Zimbalist as Laura Holtz, Pierce Brosnan as the stand-in for Remington Steele, and Doris Roberts as uh, wonderful Mildred Krebs. Um, So, what the premise is, is that uh, Laura Holt tried to start her own private detective agency, and especially in the early 80s when this show was that just women just didn't do that and it wasn't well received and so she had to start this agency uh for a, a a non-existent detective remington Steele. and um then pierce brosnan comes in in one of the cases at the very first episode and assumes the role of remington Steele because he figured out he, that the man doesn't actually exist and that's the rest of the show it's huh. it's wonderful it is really wonderful Interesting. Um, and and You know, Pierce Brosnan, of course, went on to be a great movie actor, but like this is his big TV show, basically, kind of his. I think it might be his big break, and uh, it is just, it is great. I, it is highly recommended. Um, And you know, it's a very different time for TV. Don't expect it to be a modern TV show, but, but even though every episode is pretty much standalone, yet there's this premise that you kind of have to know, and in that way, there's kind of this arc over the show. It's really fun. It's a lot of fun. Hmm. so you mentioned earlier Battlestar Galactica and uh, that is indeed on my list I um, I love it um, I can't watch it very often because it's very dark um, and, and a lot of I, I, I mentioned when I was doing a rewatch earlier it, it, they, they made it available on uh, the sci-fi app for the first time uh, on the internet legally <laughs> and so I, I since they did that I sat down and watched it on the sci-fi app uh, during quarantine and COVID and um it, it you know it is. Uh, I said on Twitter at the time, uh, every character gets a chance to be an awful person, <laughs> but yet <laughs> then they go yeah. often and redeem themselves. Uh, so it's it's a lot of really great. Um, let's see. So. Basically, the premise of this is um, there was a war between the human-made robots, the Cylons, and the humans. The Cylons went off to do their own thing, but then they came back and destroyed the colonies on the various planets. And you have about 50,000 people left, and they're trying to escape and find a place to live and revitalize the human civilization. And that is uh, Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. Have you seen it?
0: I have. I enjoyed it the first time I came, uh, around. I found the uh, end of it to be a little deflating, but I thought that yes, the journey was very fun. Um,
1: I I thought that the first time I watched it, and I think because I had villainized it so much in my head, that final episode, that when I watched it this time, I'm like, you know, that wasn't so bad. It was fine. Huh, okay. uh, it's probably just because I was expecting it to be bad, and it rearranged my expectations yeah okay moving on fringe this is one of the great modern tv shows uh this is um an fbi agent um uh, i'm pulling that up here olivia dunham uh played by anna torf um who deals with the paranormal um and so she of course has the nutty mad scientist played by uh john noble Uh, you might know him from lord of the rings as lord denethor um, you've got Joshua Jackson as Peter Bishop and Jessica Nicole as Astrid Farnsworth. And um, this show has a great kind of every – I would say every season kind of stands on its own but builds on the previous one. But then they always had in reserve when they when they said – when the networks told them to wrap it up, they had this last season and they executed it so well and the show ended so well. Um, can't think of a, uh, a better show. Um, and this was back – I, I – I have a love-hate relationship with J.J. Abrams, but I think this is one of the good things that he did. He was one of the creators, and, um, yeah, highly recommend this show. Uh, Anna Torv is great, and she is the lead character, and um, just can't recommend it enough. Have you seen this one? I have not. I
0: heard of it. I've seen it on Netflix at one time. (laughs) Okay, put it on your list. Okay.
1: Okay, now we come to the Arrowverse, uh, and... um, Arrow, I also have a love-hate relationship with. I loved the first season. Loved, 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 loved the show. Second season was good. I don't remember if it was the third or fourth season, but yuck. They went oh, in yeah. a terrible, terrible, awful direction. They stayed down in the dumps for a couple of epi- season? of seasons, yeah. and then the last couple of seasons were phenomenal. <laughs> so huh? spare with it. Maybe skip the middle seasons, although sometimes you have to have information from those seasons, so it's a little frustrating. But, um there is no better oliver queen than Stephen amell um yes and one, emily hey, bet
0: I, I did watch this show and i it, it really impressed me his performance
1: yeah he is always great even if sometimes the show around him isn't and emily bett records um as felicity smoke amazing david ramsey is john diggle um uh, yeah there's just I, I don't even know how how to go into the show in this brief amount of time um it, it, it obviously, the the more seasons you get into, the more uh, fanciful and uh, fantastical it gets. You know, like he does all these things with arrows that are not physically possible. <laughs> it just doesn't matter because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, and then that spun off The Flash. Um, this was the first show, I, I forget sometimes, uh, how time moves differently for me now that I'm an adult, because I think this show isn't that old, and yet this, uh, show has already had, is it six seasons? I'm looking here, um... Yeah, six season six, season seven. Right, season seven is upcoming. So it's had six seasons. Uh, so that's six years. And it was one of the first shows that my son really got into. And I think, oh, but but let's see, he's fourteen, and so that means he was uh, seven or eight when he started watching it. And it's like this is like a show that is foundational to his life. And I think of it as just yeah. having started. <laughs> it's funny, right? Um, but yeah, Grant Gustin makes a fantastic Barry Allen. Um, I does. love Candace, Candace Patton as Iris um, West, um, who is the love interest, but also like they've really pivoted to make her into a character in her own right and not just a love interest, right? And that's one of the mm-hmm. things that you can kind of criticize shows like this for, especially superhero shows that always have the love interest. And so that's one of the legacies that I think these shows are trying to break away from and make these characters able to be their own Persons, and I think they've really done a good job of that with with Iris in this show. So, of course, this is The Flash is, um, Barry Allen essentially is, I'm simplifying, but he's struck by lightning and now he has super fast speed and he's a superhero. Um, and it's, of course, this is when I think, when this show spun off from Arrow, I think it's when Arrow started becoming a more fantastical and less grounded show, which is fine, but they that's when they they realized, you know what, we're doing this, we're going to be in this fantasy world, we might as well go full fantasy. Um, so yeah, The Flash, great show. Um, the, so right after Remington Steel, um, my wife and I got into a show called Bones, and it used to be a great show. Unfortunately, uh, around season six or seven, I don't remember for sure, it started getting – every episode was samey, and they started to fall into a formula where you knew that there was going to be these people you'd never seen before. They were going to discover Bones. They were going to scream, and nah! – and then the next scene was gonna be Dr. Brennan examining the bones and making some comment and Booth going, What we got here, Brennan, you know? And then they're gonna solve the mystery and at the end of the episode everything's gonna be hunky-dory and then that's that's when I quit watching, because it didn't used to be that. And it used to be a lot of fun and a lot of interaction, great interaction between the characters. They, the show made me angry at times, which is a sign of a good show, right? Because in those early mm-hmm. days, they would do things. You're like, you had opinions about it. You didn't want them to kill that character. Oh, my gosh, what are you doing? And that character, you shouldn't be like – like. so they really had my attention. And then they just uh, – I stopped watching around season six. So the first several seasons of Bones, highly recommended. Um And uh, I hear it's done now, finally, after 12 seasons, but wow, it it really went off the rails. So be aware of that. They did not end it well, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) Have you seen Bones? I did not. My Again, my wife watched it. She watches a lot more television than I have, and yeah. it did look really intriguing. I remember when the show was originally on, watching a few of the earliest episodes of the earlier seasons and really enjoying it. But that particular occasion, I just happened to be sick, and that was why I was watching TV, because I was bored and had nothing else to do. For what I saw, Bones looked really good. I just never got around yeah. to watching the rest.
1: Okay, I'm going to speed through the rest of these here. Um, Buffy and Angel were among the... Basically, Buffy was one of the first TV shows that really put Joss Whedon on the map. And Buffy is a great show about uh, a female superhero you've never heard of before, Buffy, who slays vampires. She is the vampire slayer. And uh, that's a wonderful show. Um, It has its ups and downs. It has things... Again, it makes you mad sometimes, but it also, like, um, lots of fun and drama and it's just great and then angel was a spinoff angel was a character in the first uh, three seasons of buffy and then went off to do his own show and i know a lot of people are down on that show i love that show it is uh, a phenomenal show um and uh follows a great character from buffy
0: well i mean it was uh, a super popular show and it's got a cult following i mean what buffy was do people really, yeah yeah well oh yeah. i see yeah versus angel gotcha
1: angel yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, So then you have uh, Doctor Who. I am referring to new Doctor Who. I'm not that familiar with the old Doctor Who. And I've seen a few episodes and they were kind of blah. Um, But I really enjoy New Who. And one of the things this show does well is they built into the show this concept of the Doctor regenerating. So when an actor comes and does a few seasons and wants to leave, the Doctor basically regenerates and gets a new body and a new personality and on they go. And this show just continues to reinvent itself that way and usually gets new companions. Sometimes the companions cross over. Sometimes they don't. And in the last couple of seasons now, we've had a new Doctor. First time that a Doctor's ever been played by a female. Jodie Whittaker does a fantastic job. I think that she is very much the Doctor, and it's been very great. Um, then you have, and I'm, I'm cheating a little bit, I'm putting a miniseries on this list, A&E's Pride and Prejudice. Um, Ooh, phenomenal. that's a
0: very different sort of show for you.
1: Oh, well, I suppose. Um, I love it. I love the book, um, and I love the miniseries. I love Colin Firth. And, uh, Jennifer Ellie. And, um, yeah, it is, it is a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal miniseries. Love it a lot.
0: See, I wouldn't have necessarily thought of miniseries in the same category as other shows. I know, I know. I told told you I was cheating.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Um,
0: I'll let you have it.
1: Okay, so then, um, Sherlock, uh, this is, I mean, there's only like three or four episodes a season, so is this in the same category? I don't know. I really enjoyed, really, really enjoyed the first three seasons. I hated season four, but, and I think that's the last season we're gonna get, but, um, but TV's done differently in the UK, so maybe we'll get another one, because they can come back and just do another one sometime, because, I don't know. Anyway, really enjoyed the first three seasons of that. It's basically Sherlock Holmes, but set in modern times. It's really fun. Hmm. Okay, you have Netflix's and Marvel's Daredevil. Um, This, to me, is the epitome of Marvel on TV. Um, Charlie Cox did an amazing job of bringing Daredevil to life. Um even people, you know, I, I would definitely agree with people that the first and third seasons were the better seasons, but I enjoyed season two as well. Um, I really loved all the actors in this show. Uh, well, the, the primary three, right, are um, Matt Murdock, played by Charlie Cox, Karen Page, played by Deborah Ann Wool, and Foggy Nelson, played by Eldon Henson. I thought they did a phenomenal job. And of course, Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk in the first and third seasons, just fan- fantastic. Like, I can't think of... Uh, anybody better to have played that villain the way he did? Like he just did such a great job. Um, so yeah, a Daredevil, fantastic. And of course, can't talk about Daredevil without mentioning that hallway fight scene in season one. So good, so well choreographed. I just, it's, it's the best. It's just so great. Really? I assume you've seen it.
0: I, uh, I did. I, I I did like it an awful lot. I don't have a lot to compare it to from television. To me, it would look like theatrical scale like cinema motion picture uh sort of scale of action the the only thing that i'm not crazy about is sometimes when it got so dark you couldn't really see the action or if they were fast cuts but the one thing that drew my eye from that show was just how dank and ugly a lot of the sets are and so sometimes it was actually taking away from i I felt like the action for me but you're, you're not wrong it's impressive it's very impressive it's a very yeah it's a very great show
1: and then following up a very different show and it was on a network versus netflix but um agents of shield uh it it received a lot of flack in the beginning and i never got that i enjoyed it from top Mm -hmm. to bottom and the show only ever got better and it started out really good in my opinion and uh by the end it ended well uh that last season was phenomenal and uh i just love this show um i love everything about the show um i love phil Coulson. i love daisy Johnson. Um, I really love Melinda May, Jenna Simmons, of course, Leo Fitz, I like Fitz Simmons, like, um, man. They're oh, your and, friends. Oh, 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 they are your friends and I really love Mac. He may be my favorite character on the show. Um, just great. Played by Henry Simmons. Fantastic. And, and of course, in was it season three? I think they introduced um, Yo-Yo, uh, played by Natalia Kodrova-Buckley. Uh, just fantastic. I, I just, I, man, it's just so good. And a very different show. You know, it's still in the Marvel Universe, still in the MCU, theoretically, theoretically, questionable toward the end of the show but whatever I just loved it and it just sort of stood on its own it didn't need to be in the MCU by the end anyway and they were sort of ignoring the MCU by the time they got to the end and that was fine because you loved these characters and you loved just being with them and spending time with them and, and you know your heart hurts at certain moments when, when characters go through stuff and when characters may die and ah, it's, it's so great um, sounds like you've seen it
0: yeah I haven't seen the last season You need to. Spoiler free, please.
1: Okay. And then following up on that, Agent Carter, this, to me, it was so frustrating that it only got two seasons because I loved it. I love Peggy Carter. I feel like she was given short shrift in the MCU in the movies because she was just in Captain America. And then, of course, Captain America is transported seven years later. And then she passes away as an old woman in the second Captain America movie. And it just... She's so good. Haley Atwell uh, is so good as Peggy Carter. And I wanted more and we got more, but I wanted even more than two seasons. And we only got these two seasons and it was just a phenomenal show. And I'm sad that it, it uh, had to end the way it did.
0: That's what I do want to watch. And I want to watch yeah. that soon. Really? good.
1: Going back to Netflix, Jessica Jones, a phenomenal show. Um, I really love Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones. Um, she's just the best. <sighs> I, I was a little frustrated at times with the whole relationship with Trish Walker, uh, but it's worth it because Jessica Jones is fantastic. One of, Just real good. Lo- loved watching that show. Would always tune in.
0: Which one is Trish Walker? Is that That's not She's, the Luke Cage guy.
1: No, no. Trish Walker is Jessica Jones' friend um, that had a drug problem.
0: Oh, okay. I yeah. remember watching the first season, but I don't remember seeing an awful lot of her. Okay.
1: Yeah, and of course that first season is the best, um, and we have David Tennant just just a absolutely scary right. mind control bad guy, just so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, okay, Luke Cage. Uh, it would be a little slow at times, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I really love you know the character, and I love. Uh, some of the characters they introduced in here too, like Misty Knight, a uh, great character. I wish she would have had more screen time. Of course, you got Alfred Woodard as Mariah Dillard. I knew her from Star Trek first contact, and it was fantastic to see her here again i I know she 's been in other things I just haven 't had the pleasure to see her, and i haven 't watched any of those other shows, so great to see her here. Just a really great cast uh, came trying to trying to keep moving. Uh I'm gonna skip to The Mandalorian, um, which is ongoing, so it could turn out that I hate it, but right now I'm in love with the show, and it is the best thing on TV. <laughs> no no contest. Yep. It is the best thing airing right now. And they just did something in the last episode I'm dying to talk about, but I don't think I can because spoilers. <laughs> no, don't oh, do it is it. it's so good. It's so good. And yes, the casting it for it is so good. People know what I'm talking about. People know what I'm talking about. Um Stranger Things I love this show. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It's so good. It reminds me of my childhood in many ways. Oh. Even though I wasn't allowed to do like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, uh, it doesn't matter. Like just the setting and seeing like the wood paneled DV or VHS drawers and things like just just little touches. It's like these people <laughs> lived in the 80s. They knew what it was like. The wood paneling everywhere. But then also, I'm just a sucker for this sort of sci-fi and the Upside Down and all this stuff. And it's it's just really good. Created by the Duffer Brothers. Uh, really great. Uh, introduced us of course to millie bobby brown uh who i believe is going to be a fantastic already is a fantastic actress and i'm excited to see where her career goes right um legends of tomorrow this is in the dc uh, tv universe but this is where they kind of spun off from the flash and arrow and they just sort of said you know what we don't really care we're just gonna yuck it up and it turned out to be really great like they're not super serious they're just telling great stories and, and, clearly having lots of fun and I love it. Um, so, uh, that's, yeah, it's just great. Moving on Veronica Mars, um, a really great, uh, early two thousands detective show of a teenage detective. She's the daughter of a private eye. Um, and, uh, just, just a lot of fun. Um, I love Kristen Bell and, um, have you ever seen, um, uh, galaxy quest?
0: No, what's that one?
1: Oh, well, I would have thought you were anything. talking
0: about StarGate again. Maybe I no, would no. have gotten the names mixed so, up.
1: So um, yeah, so Enrico Colantoni. The only reason I bring up Galaxy Quest is because um, I didn't even realize it at first when I first started watching Varnik Mars. I'm like, I think that there's something really familiar about Keith Mars. What is it? And then I'm like, I'm looking him up. I'm like, oh, he played the head alien guy in Galaxy Quest. So Wait a minute, Is a Galaxy
0: Quest that movie? Because uh, you're not talking about another show.
1: No, it's a movie. Yeah, oh, It's a, okay. it's, it's, a it's a spoof.
0: Yeah, that's the one uh, that Tim stars Allen, uh, yeah. Tim Allen. Yeah,
1: yeah, Tim Allen. Yeah. Griffin, anyway, yeah. anyway, the head alien is is Veronica Mars' dad. And that's a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, love this show. Um, the the, the kind of the first season, her best friend was murdered, and she has to figure out how that happened. Uh, in the affluent town of Neptune, there's the haves and the haves have-nots, and so it makes for a lot of drama, a lot of fun. Um. All right, and then moving on, uh, I'm going to go to Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Star Wars Rebels. Um, These shows uh, expanded the Star Wars universe in a way that, basically, I kind of didn't really like the prequels very much until I started watching them. I would
0: say that I agree with you, yeah. They weren't at the greatest.
1: Yeah. I I didn't like the prequels very much, but but I started watching The Clone Wars And aside from some episodes with Jar Jar here and there, it was a great show. (laughs) And it made me retroactively rethink the prequels and it cast them in a different light and added color and character to Anakin and Obi-Wan and and Yoda. And it introduced a wonderful character named Ahsoka Tano, who I believe is the best character in Star Wars. Just no question. And I just love this show. And it got even better when we had Star Wars Rebels, which takes place about five years before the Battle of Yavin. Um, and it is also a great show. And Ahsoka Returns and Rebels here and there. Um, and I just love these shows. And we, so right now, um, just recently, we got an animated Star Trek series called The Lower Decks. And. It's okay. It's not great. It wasn't what I was wanting. I was really wanting Star Trek to take a cue from Star Wars and doing serious stories just with animation. And the Lower Decks didn't really do that. So <laughs> that's to say I love the Clone Wars and Rebels. I just couldn't love them anymore. Uh, they're great shows. If you, It sounds like you haven't seen them.
0: I only bit some pieces and then my... Siblings showed me an episode of the Clone Wars because they thought it was fascinating what they did with the clone troopers in that one yes. episode. Yes. It did seem pretty good. Now I now I it's the kind of show that I would definitely watch if I could get my son interested or my daughter. And I just don't make a lot of time for animated things. Uh, some of my favorites to. were Batman and the animated series and I think about that show every now and then think, man, I would really like to go back and watch that again, but I just won't make the time for it. And uh, I'm watching a lot of other fun things with my wife and kids. So things like The Mandalorian are actually preventing me from finding time for things like The Clone Wars and Rebels.
1: Well, The Mandalorian is starting to build on things from Rebels and, and Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. I would recommend watching those shows. I, I just sat down and I watched them. Like I would watch a couple, three, two or three episodes a night until I got through it. It was I, wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Okay, moving on quickly. Uh, Gotham. Uh, it's kind of disconnected from the rest of the DC universe. It kind of stands on its own, but I love this show. Um, I, there, it has its ups and downs, uh, but I would say the casting is phenomenal. I really love Donald Logue as Harvey Bullock. Um, and I really love their casting for Penguin and for the Joker, believe it or not. Um, just a told great stories. Um, I didn't love their casting for Alfred with Sean Pertwee at first, but he grew on me a lot. Um, and yeah, just highly recommended. Really love the portrayal of of Penguin here.
0: He's clearly one of the stars of the show.
1: Yeah. So be sure to check that out. It sounds like you haven't seen that.
0: I saw several episodes of the first season but then I, I got distracted with something else probably burn notice and then never got back around to it.
1: Hmm. One more. Um and this one I'm hoping you've seen because it's on Apple TV Plus. Uh we we the first season has we've we we haven't how do I want to say this? The second season has yet to air. We don't know how many seasons the show will have, but right now it is one of my favorites. It is for all mankind. It's basically what would have, what an alternate reality in which the Russians got to the moon first and now we're the space race is ongoing and it is, it is really good. It is just phenomenal. And I'm a, I know I'm a sucker for these sort of space sci-fi sort of things, but this is a different spin on it, right? It is, it's like all the technology is our technology, but it's a different reality And I just, I love it. And the casting in in this show is just, and and the portrayals and the things that happen you believe would have happened in that time period. It's just real, real good. Real good.
0: Awesome. Wow. And that is a good show. I did watch a couple episodes of it. And again, it's on the back burner. It's, It's to watch. It's in that compartment. I just haven't got around to finishing it yet.
1: So I was afraid this might happen. My list was so long, but we're at an hour 8. Do you want to talk about your shows or do you want to do that next episode?
0: No, I think I can knock it out because my my approach to television watching is a little different. I I I really think I can knock it out in the next 7 minutes. Can you give me get can you yeah. start the clock? Well, let's we'll see yeah. if we can round this out at an hour and 15. So Okay. My approach to television has been usually that Uh, I just want to get uh, really interested and deep into a longer form storytelling Mm -hmm. and a movie is really good because the production values are very high and it's got an incredible screenwriter and a wonderful director and a very fun cast that you like to see in multiple appearances throughout their film career. And those are very fun to watch because they're just so high quality with television. It's another class, you know, it's another class so what makes the television show compelling is usually timeless elements of their humor, screenplay, the actors as well, or something about the overarching story across an entire show like Alias.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, and, I, just, I do just mm-hmm. want to say, though, that I feel like that's changing. Like TV it is, be- yeah, is, is The last few definitely, years it has been. Yeah. It is becoming a, a much more um, – how would you say – it, it, it's the production cinematic. values are going up much more cinematic. Yes.
0: And that's a great thing. And various shows like Ted Lasso is even benefiting from this. And uh, I think like, um, what was another one? Uh, Mad Men probably made a huge difference. Uh, House of Cards. Then, uh, what is it called Star Trek discovery because of the quality Mm. for a sci-fi show where they introduced so many different home worlds and costumes and, uh, battle sequences, obviously a much better production quality than they had for the, all the other generations. So, so here's my thinking is that, um, I really love to get into a show, but when I'm done, I'm really done most of the time. And I, I'm mm. just not compelled to watch it twice. And that's why I can't really say I have a whole lot of favorites. So I've seen things like Seinfeld and Stranger Things and The Flash. But at the end of the day, it's like I, I started to watch it to see if it grab my interest. And then it did long enough to get th- me through most of the sh- show and then... I just, as soon as it was done, it's done. Like I, I'm not going to watch it twice. Hmm. Uh, I don't mind it if it happens to be on TV and somebody else is watching it in the house. It's not going to annoy me, but the, there's just a few shows that I, I would deem favorites because I could watch them twice. And that would be, um, the house MD starring Hugh Laurie. I love that show. I've watched it more than twice all the way through Oh, so you do
1: watch some shows more than once. I was about to say, we're so different in the way we approach TV. I will watch a show over and over again.
0: Yeah, and I just – I don't get into them that way. Uh, Not very often, but House was one. Another one is uh, Father Brown, which is on the BBC, and it's a totally different direction. Sort of a historical mysteries, and it's just a very – fun entertaining show that is casual enough and intriguing enough wondering what is going on in this week's murder mystery um it's charming historical so it's been very fun and i and i've gone back and watched a lot of it again and then um another one in that same vein i don't really think of myself as someone who loves loves detective stories like say sherlock holmes but I really love a lot of suspense, and one of them being the television show called Monk. And that one, though, has so much to it. It's got a lot of comedy, a lot of drama, some dramedy, and um, it's just got a lot of charm. And it's been an incredible show, and I've watched it over um, twice uh, uh, with my wife, and then I'm going through it again now with my children. So uh, that that has been also a great show. So that's it. Like I, uh, there's other shows that I'm like, oh yeah, I'd like to go back and watch a little bit of Batman the animated series. Or I tried to watch Burn Notice twice. Um, I liked uh, parts of The Office a lot, and then other parts uh, not so much. So when I heard friends talking yeah. about how they were watching it like five times, I, I just I was like, really? I didn't find yeah, that. I,
1: I I don't – I can't get into The Office. It it just turns me off so much.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I I can get into shows like The Flash and Battlestar Galactica. One other honorable mention that I have watched twice, but I kind of think I'm done now, is Dollhouse by Joss Whedon as well. Mm. That I've show, watched one episode really of that. I want to watch more
1: of it. Yeah.
0: I highly recommend it since you did enjoy all the other Joss Whedon things. Yeah. So –
1: I felt like it had a fatal flaw, which is she's a different character every time. And so it really can't be based on her as a character because, like, she changes every episode. I don't know. I felt like that was a fatal flaw.
0: Yeah. And I could see that if it became too episodic, that that would be a debilitating factor of that show. But very quickly, they make it apparent that there's more to it than meets the eye. So at first they set it up like that's all you should expect. But then a lot of overarching story happens. And because they ended up having to make it a very short series, they very quickly wanted to rework what they had to work with to give you the end of the entire show. So it's the kind of show that could have easily gone for six to eight seasons, but then they were limited to two. So they quickly said, well, let's take everything we wanted to get around to in eighth season and (laughs) make it happen now. (laughs) So they had enough, uh, knowledge in advance to make most of season two work out to the end. And, uh, it's just, it's just first season is a lot of fun. And then second season is more wrapping up a very epic story and, uh, Hmm. rushing to make it to the finish line. So, uh, yeah, but really entertaining along the way, though. So those are my two cents. And also worthy mentions would be classic TV shows, black and white shows like uh, I Love Lucy, Andy Griffith, Green Acres, Hogan's Heroes, The Dick Van Dyke Show. I watched those growing up, and I haven't seen a lot of them since, but I really have fond memories of them. Uh, did hmm. you watch much black and white?
1: Not really, um I do remember as a kid, um Nickelodeon aired like uh, his whole big marathon over many weeks uh the is it the fifties Superman uh with with uh, George Reeves oh yeah um, and the first couple of seasons of that were black and white and then it became color um and I have fond memories of it. I have actually found and tried to watch various episodes of it as an adult, and that was a mistake. Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> uh, pretty not campy, pretty good. and uh, pretty I actually campy. came
0: across a pretty <laughs> hilarious um, episode where Batman meets Superman in that show, and it's just oh, ridiculous. Really? I don't,
1: I don't think <laughs> I ever saw so that. Bad.
0: Yes, because is that Batman is that the, in those the, days?
1: Is that the Batman from the Adam West Batman meeting him?
0: No, even predates him. So, Oh, wow. It's like, they didn't know what to do with Batman on television. So it's, it's hysterically bad.
1: (laughs) Mm. Is that it for you?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, oh man, so many potentially honorable mentions. (laughs) I really enjoyed as a child, the Transformers television show. And so as a kid, oh man, the cartoon, the eighties, Transformers couldn't be beaten. Nothing uh, compared to Transformers and Winnie the Pooh. But Transformers, Transformers. And my, I've gotten my kids interested in that a little bit. And now there's a Netflix show about the Transformers. And they they think that that old 80s stuff is too campy for the cool kids today. But they're interested in the Netflix series. So I've gotten them to watch some of the Transformers with me. And that's like reliving my childhood. So. I, mm. I could I could endorse that Transformer series show, but I can't necessarily categorically say that it's a necessarily a personal favorite yet. There's we'll have to wait and see. They've only got <laughs> a very short mini series going on and we only have the first season's worth.
1: All right. Well, that was a little over mm-hmm. eight minutes, Joe. So I definitely hogged up this episode. Yeah, you for can you. trim
0: out all my part. Um n- nothing important there to report. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Sure.
1: Well, I think that's it for this show. Uh, Joe, if people would like to chat with you about the way you watch TV and how messed up it is because you don't get into a show and watch it over and over and over and over again,
0: where can people do that? Please, uh, please do. I'm on Twitter and help me rethink television. So uh, I am at JCS Darnell.
1: And if you want to tell me how I shouldn't be watching these shows over and over and over again, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at TJ Draper Pro. You can find show notes for this episode at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 12, because this is our 12th episode. And we'll have as many links as I can get in the show notes. I don't promise there's a lot of TV shows I talked about, so I don't promise I have everything in here, but I'll try really hard to get everything in the show notes. And that's it for us. We'll talk to you next week.